Marketers of the world, why do we work hard to solve small problems? It's time to bring home bigger paychecks. It's time to create the lifestyle we deserve and to make a greater impact. This is the Fractional CMO Show, and I'm Casey Stanton. Join me as we explore this growing industry and learn to solve bigger problems. The Fractional CMO Show is sponsored by CMOX, the number one company to teach you how to attract, convert, and serve clients as an in-demand fractional CMO. I'm here with today's guest, president, owner, and founder of Neil Links, executive director of Noah's Children, a nonprofit focused on helping orphans and those displaced by war and poverty, primarily in Armenia and the surrounding regions, the CEO and broker in charge of Ravens Rock Real Estate Services, Inc. Our guest today, Armin Marty Rosie, the fractional CMO for medical clinics and healthcare service companies. Armin, welcome to the Fractional CMO Show. Thanks for having me, Casey. Yeah, super excited that you're here. And um, you're inside of our CMO X Accelerator. And uh, I just love getting on video with you and seeing kind of what's behind you. Um, <laughs> you've got uh, uh, goddesses, you've got books behind you. Um, uh, and when you shared with me that you teach yoga on Tuesday mornings, I was really excited to have you on the the podcast to discuss your approach to resilience and staying calm under pressure while achieving big outcomes. And I'd love for you to kind of like take it away and share how resilience kind of uh, shows up in in the work of a fractional CMO or the work of a business owner. Sure. Well, uh, kind of take a step back. I mean, uh, resilience uh, works great just in your own personal life, dealing with yourself, your own thoughts, but also whenever you're dealing with other human beings. Uh, you know, you have to put up with different mentalities, uh, different perspectives, uh, different wants and needs, different goals. And that definitely holds true when you're dealing with other business owners that might have uh, an idea as to what they want to do. And they might hire you, but, you know, they want to keep doing what they've been doing, even though it doesn't work because they've heard from somebody or it once worked six years ago for them. Uh, but, you know, just being resilient, holding true to what you feel is best for, uh, you know, the outcome for your client and the people you work with and kind of just, you know, not, not letting the daily uh, difficulties that are thrown at you either intentionally or unintentionally by other people going after what they think is best for them and their business, you know, that kind of really being resilient and holding true to what you believe and know to be the best, uh, you know, solution. So that and kind I, of where it, where it ties it, you know, to dealing with business owners, especially. Yeah. And, and I think as a business owner, um, like I, I heard that before and I didn't get it. I mean, honestly, last night it really like hit me. I was reading a thread on Twitter and someone was talking about like, um, you know, what advice would you give to someone else in your position who was thinking of leaving a corporate job or whatever and starting a new business? And everyone said something along the lines of the first year is grit. The first year is pushing uphill and um, you're going to have people in your life. You might be surrounded by people who support you and love you and want to do see what's best for you. Um, and they are encouraging you to take these risks. And then you also have people that could support and love you and not want you to take those risks because they don't think that it's a good risk. And it's, it's like this kind of steadfast commitment to just keep going. Do you find that to be true? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, the first year of just about anything is difficult. Just look at the lockdown we went through. Uh, you know, when it first started, we thought it'd be a few weeks. Uh, we get back on uh, you know, the regular things and that oh my God, Zoom, how can we do Zoom? But a year into it, we were like, oh my God, this is great. You can meet with people all over the world anytime on your own terms. Uh, you know, just get dressed up from the waist up and nobody has to know. 
uh, and then it, it, everything got easier. So I think, yeah, I definitely holds true that, you know, whenever you're starting anything new, uh, the first year is a grind. Uh, and it, I think it goes above and beyond business as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So, um, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I heard this quote before around like, um, uh, most folks get on the bus and then they hop off at every stop and get on a new bus and they wonder why, you know, after a year they haven't reached a destination. And what seems to be very true is to pick a destination and ride that bus as long as it takes to get there. And you might have to go a wacky route, a route that you didn't, um, you know, plan because of detours or tech issues or sales issues or whatever. So how does, how does, how does someone stay resilient um, in the face of just like mounting difficulty and challenge on a day-to-day basis? Like sales, uh, you know, they're excited about a sales call. They go to bed at night thinking, man, if I close that sale, that's going to do it. They wake up the next day and the person doesn't show for the call or the person shows for the call and actually they just hired someone locally and, um, uh, you know, nothing against uh, you, but um, sorry, we moved with this other guy. You know, how do you stay resilient in that phase? Well, uh, kind of going and piggybacking off of what you said about the, the bus and jumping off at different stops. Uh, I guess the very first thing is knowing where it is you want to go, the destination. You know, I think another quote related to that is, you know, if you don't know where you're going, how will you know when you get there? So kind of uh, knowing what it is you want uh, to achieve and then just figuring out, okay, kind of reverse engineering that, okay, this is where I want to get. So then what do I need to do? You know, one step at a time. Uh, You know, I I know it's kind of cliche uh, saying these things, but just breaking things down into small uh, doable pieces. You know, they say, how do you drive across the country? You know, 150 yards at a time, especially if you're driving at night, that's probably about as far as you can see with your headlights. You know, so you want to just take the next step and just keep moving forward. And like you said, there will be times where uh, things go not as planned, uh, which is okay. Uh, you know, one of the things uh, that I learned from uh, some of the readings from uh, Stoicism and the Stoics is like, uh, rather than trying to, uh, you know, look at things, what happened and it, oh, it wasn't what I wanted, so I- I'm not happy. Just, you know, take a look to see what happened. They say, okay, this is, what's, what, this is what was supposed to happen. And what I wanted was what was supposed to happen to happen. And then just deal with it and move forward. Uh, you know, we, we tend to waste a lot of time, energy, and effort worrying about things that have already happened. But why, why didn't it go my way? You know, wh- why did this, going back to your example, why did this uh, potential client uh, take the meeting just to tell me that they decided to go with a different direction? What if, what if, what if? You know, just move on. Well, so what can you learn from that? Maybe, you know, uh, leading up to that meeting, you could have done a few things differently to make sure that, you know, before hiring somebody else, They'd reach out to you and say, hey, this is what we're thinking. What do you think? Because the, the, on our initial two points of contact, you gave me some, you know, great advice, free advice, you know, to say a lot of people hold back and, and think, okay, they haven't hired me, so I don't want to tell them anything. But if they feel like you, you genuinely care for them and, you know, and you're kind of spitballing ideas with them while they're deciding whether or not to even set up a meeting with you, then if they do decide in that course to go a different direction, I feel a lot of times, you know, they'll even... Uh, even if it's just out of respect, tell you, hey, this is what I'm thinking about doing. And then maybe you'll have that second chance to say, hey, you know what? Have you thought about A, B, C, and D if you if you go in that direction rather than, you know, taking that meeting with me to make a final decision whether or not I'm the right guy for you. So something along those lines uh, has worked for me in the past. And I think, uh, you know, might be a good thing to uh, work into that, that process. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, one thing that I've realized, you know, being in marketing like you for for a long time, um, and we'll get into kind of your experience and how you started your agency, how you became a fraction CMO here in just a moment. Um, but just being in marketing, you know, I've been in marketing, let's say since 2008. 
And uh, in the last 13 years or so, um, I've seen a lot of the same faces. And uh, so much of the work is not taking it personal and knowing that the people are doing the best they can with what they have. Um, you know, it's very rare that someone is actively trying to do something malicious to you. And if you can get yourself in a position to appreciate that they're doing the best they can with the information that they have and the tools that they have available to them. And sometimes it aligns to work together and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, you know, I, I worked with someone, um, uh, I, I was bringing in about $22,000 a month. It's a fractional CMO. I flew out to California, met with the, um, CEO and the, uh, 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 like the executive director of this organization. And, um, I pitched them on another year of working together. They were thrilled about it. I had a handshake a couple days later after I flew home, told my wife about it. I was pretty excited. Uh, the CEO called me and told me he had been fired. And as a result, I had been fired mm. and I never saw that coming. And it doesn't matter that I had the handshake deal. It doesn't even matter if there was a contract, right? Because, you know, maybe they would have fought it. Um, I was stuck having to figure it out for myself and had to be resilient in the face of that kind of uh, uphill battle. And it, and it sucked, right? It was hard. Okay. Uh, but I feel like I came out of it even stronger. And I'm curious, what example do you have in your life where um, there was a kind of unwinnable event and you lost um, despite your best efforts? And you had to uh, kind of just grind it out. What did that look like? I mean, I know that you had a child when you were really young. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I think that kind of set me up uh, having becoming a young father uh, or, or a young parent. It really set me up to kind of be able to go against you know this perceived impossibility, uh, especially at the time when this happened. This is about back in the mid nineties. This is pre. Uh, teen mom and all of that, where it wasn't, you know, uh, okay, uh, just another teenager with a kid. Uh, so kind of, you know, especially in the culture that I grew up with, but it, and it, it wasn't the norm. It definitely wasn't the norm. And it, all the statistics and all the anecdotal examples were against me. Oh my God, this is going to prevent you from doing anything in life. This is going to hold you back from getting an education. And the list went on and on. Uh, but just uh, me being me, you know, uh, if I decide that something is the right thing to do, I'll just forge ahead, regardless of, you know, people telling me oh, otherwise. Uh, so that kind of set me up to, you know, uh, going into adulthood where, you know, the, the resiliency was really built in. Uh, so from a business uh, example, you know, I started my company back in uh, end of 99. Uh, so we were there and we initially started doing web development uh, before getting into uh, online marketing as well. So we were kind of there for the rise of the dot-com and then the fall. So that was kind of turbulent. And then uh, in uh, around 2007 or so, we started, you know, we, we, we started working with uh, a company that was servicing the mortgage industry. Uh, and then, you know, over time, that kind of naturally through referrals, uh, lo and behold, uh, we had about 95% of our monthly billings coming from uh, the mortgage related industries. Uh, and that within a matter of two weeks, all those clients were gone. Uh, when, when, when the subprime market crashed and, and you know, everything went to uh, hell in a handbasket, uh, in, in a matter of two weeks, literally 95% of our uh, monthly buildings went to zero. Uh, so kind of going back to the same example, yeah, you have yeah. It took us about two years to recover from that fully, but that really taught me that, okay, you need to diversify. Uh, and that's you know, kind of one of the reasons why 
uh, initially in the intro, you read me doing so many different things. It's just because that kind of became ingrained in me. Just don't put all your eggs in one basket, literally, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, definitely an eye-opening event. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think you and I both on the other side of that, we know what it feels like when something's tough. Um, anyone listening to this who hasn't been through that type of thing, I mean, maybe uh, a spouse dying, maybe a parent dying, maybe a child getting sick. I mean, there's all different kind of uh, ways to experience this kind of rock bottom. Um, uh, just, just to clarify on my side, I went from about 22,000 a month to about 2,000 a month, kind of overnight. And I definitely yeah. had built, um, I, I had overhead, I had a team member, right? So uh, I was underwater and, and I didn't have the money. It was just after a wedding, you know, I was, I was broke. It was, it was tough. Um, and then for you losing your business, taking two years, also being a parent before you turned 18, you know, like those are the people, the people that have gone through some shit, right? Those are the people that, that are dependable. You build like this sense of, you're right, resilience, I think is a really strong word for it. Um, I, I love that, man. Uh, and, and I think the pressure around your culture too, the Armenian culture you mentioned is, is just a culture where it's kind of unheard of to have such a, to have a child at such a young age. Um, how did you, how did you have this dogged focus to grow despite what everyone else, uh, would say would be, uh, a losing hand dealt to you? But, uh, well, I've always kind of, uh, as far back as I can remember, I always, uh, I always think back, I think I was a, a very young child and I realized one day that, uh, you know, that, uh, uh, I, I can't tell you exactly when it happened, but I kind of do have that internal feeling as to remember this happening where I realized that nobody knows what's going on. Huh. Uh, so, you know, so when people start telling you that, oh, this is how things are, you know, I just realized, no, no, nobody really knows what's going on. Uh, and, you know, despite that, you know, this, this person's older than me, I, you know, you always have to respect the elders, you know, they know better because they're older. But uh, I just realized, no, nobody actually knows what's going on. So if nobody knows what's going on, why would I put uh, my faith in what somebody else is telling me? the way the world is, uh, you know, and I think, and these are uh, obviously as a child, that's not, this. I'm, I'm kind of looking back on this over the years and kind of, you know, uh, putting it into a little more, you know, uh, a better way of explaining it as a child. And it wasn't as elaborate uh, what I realized, but it was just a matter of, okay, if nobody knows what's going on, that I should just, you know, rely on myself, my own intuition and, you know, but figure out what's going on. And if, if I can, have an effect on the outcome of what's happening, why not do it? Uh, you know, it, it, and one thing that I always tell my children is uh, it, it's great. Everyone will want to give you advice, especially, you know, people who feel they're you know, in a position that, okay, I'm older. Let me tell you how things really work. I said, listen to everybody, whatever they're telling you, listen to them, have respect for them, but always uh, ask yourself this question. If this person is giving me advice on this the particular topic, are they in a situation or in a place that I would want to be at that given topic. So, so if somebody's telling you how to build a business, but they've never built a business, okay, that's great. Don't take, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Uh, if somebody's telling you, oh, this is what you should do when it comes to your education, but their, their education hasn't gone beyond, you know, high school, then maybe, yeah, it's great. They're, they're kind of regurgitating what they've heard elsewhere, totally. what they were told. You know, so it, 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 it's kind of very basic when you start breaking it down, uh, you know, so that, that's the way I see it. And most things tend to be uh, very basic if you, if you break them down to the you know, base. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I just pulled this up. Um, uh, uh, 
years ago, I was in strategic coach and I had a coach named Chad Johnson and I just adore this guy. I think he's just this incredible like father entrepreneur leader. And, and he shared this thing on, on Instagram just a couple of nights ago um, about the three kinds of mentors. I think this is really important because there's this, this notion of an interjection, right? You can have an interjection in your life where, where someone else is kind of like um, uh, put into your head this belief system that you might not even believe. Uh, and he says, Chad says that there's three kinds of mentors. The first mentor is a role mentor, someone who's good at business or good at finance or good at marriage, right? They're good at one specific thing. You can have role mentors. They don't have to be your everything mentor. They can be just good at one thing. So if someone's saying to you, hey, this is a bad idea, and you look at them and say, are they my role mentor or not? Like, do I believe them? Do I want to be like them? I think you're spot on. The next level, he said, is a soul mentor, right? Someone who has a faith that you admire, which I think is really cool. Uh, and then the last one is a whole mentor. So a whole mentor, W-H-O-L-E, is a mentor that's someone who's 10, 20, 30 years older than you that has the lifestyle that you want, that has so much kind of figured out that you want. And I think that that, that differentiation, I think, is really important um, because I've always looked at someone and said, like, are they my whole mentor? When instead I should have said, are they my role mentor? I think you're spot on with that. Yeah, that, that's awesome. You just gave me a framework for what I've been saying. And that really broke it down, down to the base. So perfect. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, um, let's talk a little bit about um, uh, kind of like where you came from and how you got to where you are, because um, you had an agency and then you ran that for a while and it was successful and then you shut it down. Um, and tell me about why you shut it down and then tell me about um, now your movement to kind of accelerate kind of your success and impact and leverage uh, by being a fractional CMO. Sure. Like you mentioned, becoming a parent before my 18th uh, birthday, uh, my son was born three days before my 18th birthday. So, uh, you know, I was, uh, I had a really tough time. Uh, uh, I, at the time I had even graduated high school, it looked like it was going to be really tough for me to even do that. I actually had to go to adult school and gain the credits that I needed uh, to then get my uh, high school diploma. Uh, it, it then uh, took me uh, 12 years to get a two-year degree at a, at a community college. Uh, so, so at, at, at the age of 18, uh, you know, being a new father, not, not knowing what to do, you know, I haven't even graduated high school. So uh, what do I do to make money and take care of uh, my new uh, family? So what I did is I started doing computer repair out of my bedroom. This was back in 96. Uh, and then that's all in business, uh, right? In yeah. 96, that was a great business. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. No startup costs. Nothing whatsoever. You know, you just needed a couple of floppy drives to reinstall Windows for people that had, you know, <laughs> screwed up their computer completely. <laughs> so, so I started doing that. And then uh, over the next uh, two years or so, it kind of morphed into, oh, you're, you're good with computers. What's this internet thing? And I picked up a book on HTML and kind of taught myself how to uh, build websites. And by the time uh, 1999 came around, I decided to start a business. Uh, Neolinks doing web development or, or web, web, web design at the time. Uh, so started doing that along with the computer repair. And over time, it kind of, uh, you know, morphed into a full-on uh, agency. Uh, and then uh, several years back uh, through that, I started doing some business consulting, some startup consulting. Uh, so then got involved in a few startups, started a couple of companies myself. So kind of Neolink started taking a backseat. Uh, I didn't really shut down, but I, I wasn't really paying it any attention for new business. So it kind of took a, a backseat to everything I was doing. Uh, and a few years back, I made uh, uh, some of my exits from the different uh, startups that I was involved with. Uh, and then 
uh, the reason actually I have a real estate brokerage is because one of the startups uh, dealt with uh, the real estate industry. And I figured it was a lot faster for us to run tests on our own brokerage rather than relying on the different brokerages that were testing our systems because uh, real estate is notorious for being slow to adapt uh, to technology. So, but, you know, that kind of led to uh, this taking a backseat. And uh, over the last two years or so, I've kind of, it's kind of rekindled uh, that, you know, helping businesses grow, especially newer businesses. So that's why the, the uh, agency kind of got uh, started up again and started doing that. And through that, I found you at the fractional uh, CMO model and kind of really got into that. And it really struck a chord that, okay, I really get to uh, advise people on a one-on-one basis, the decision makers, and that, you know, see the fruits of the labor rather than just doing the consulting for them. Okay, this is what you should do. See you later. Thanks for the check. You, you get to stay on and really not only tell them what needs to get done, but uh, either through my own agency or, uh, you know, their internal staff or through a third-party agency that they might hire uh, or I might hire for them, kind of really be the guiding, uh, the captain of the ship, uh, you know, when it comes to their marketing and their strategy. So that's what really got me to where I am today. Got it. And, and it seems like for a while you've been doing strategy level stuff and then you kind of got pulled into the marketing tactics. Um, uh, are you one of those kind of people that just like loves the strategy side? Uh, yes. Uh, so uh, like I said, when it took me uh, 12 years to get my two-year degree, I then went uh, fairly quickly, went and got a, a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration. Uh, and then shortly after that, when I got my MBA, so even my training uh, was in a lot of strategy and, you know, especially startup strategy and marketing strategy. That's what, what my focus was on at the undergrad and graduate level. So I kind of, uh, I think I put the, the horse before the cart and in this case it worked, or the cart before the horse. In this case, it seems to have worked out where I went and got the real world experience before going and get that, you know, the book smarts, so to speak. Uh, so yeah, uh, the short answer is yes. I love the strategy aspect because uh, I think I'm good at it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that might sound like something, but yeah, so it's, it's just, uh, I, I'm able to, I, I think just because uh, it, it might be uh, my upbringing and all, all the uh, difficulties I had to deal with, or it might be that I played Tetris a lot as a kid, uh, but I'm just really good at solving problems. Uh, you know, a lot of times I'll see solutions uh, to problems that people haven't even seen the problem yet. Uh, you know, it, it just seems to have worked out so far. Yeah, I love it, man. Love it. And we've got this mantra here uh, at the... CMOX Accelerator, and, and in general, we talk about solving bigger problems. Um, tell me what kind of problems you used to solve versus what, what you solve now as a fractional CMO. You know, was it like just website building? Were you like troubleshooting plugins on WordPress? Yeah, well, before we were uh, kind of redoing uh, the mess that somebody else had created when it came to websites, or, 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 you know, a lot of times with websites, especially back in the day, uh, somebody would spend two years uh, finally getting their website to where they wanted it to be. And then about two months after launch, they realized that, okay, my website is not outdated. Uh, so what can we do? So those were mainly the types of problems we were solving. And the, the issue with that is when, when somebody comes to you after having a bad experience, and this holds true with the CMY aspect as well, when somebody comes to you with a bad experience, they tend to kind of hold you responsible for all the bad experiences they've had with their previous uh, companies or people or agencies that they've yeah. worked with. Uh, so that's, that's been one of the major things, but just having a clear, uh, uh, you know, plan of attack. And that's one thing that the CMYX has really helped out with the accelerator program is kind of giving you that blueprint where you can say, okay, this is what I'm going to do in the first 30 days. This is how we're going to approach, uh, you know, 
this aspect of your business that needs to, to be addressed. And to me, uh, having, uh, having a blueprint that I can customize and follow and share, because a lot of times we go into this knowing what we're going to do, uh, but especially, uh, like I mentioned before, if, 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 if the person you're working with has, a, has had a bad experience and it's left a bad taste in their mouth from their previous interactions with a, with a consultant or, a, or an agency, you know, they really want to know, okay, so how are you different? So when you're able to articulate to them from the get-go, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is what the next 30 days look like. This is what the next 90 days look like. This is what we're going to do over the course of the next 12 months. I mean, it's just a game changer. Uh, And then, you know, on a regular basis, you keep them updated and, you know, most people are happy. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. The people who can be made happy are happy. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and certainly not working with the people who, uh, uh, you can't please is, is a good, is a good rule. Um, yeah, yeah, I love that though. I, I I like this idea that, um, you're kind of like elevating what you're doing, but by doing that, you also take on more responsibility. So you're taking on the responsibility of kind of the, the debt that marketing has left in an organization, which can be significant. Um, you know, the, the joke that I have is like, if I wanted to reinvent myself, uh, as a scammer in the marketing space. I could sell anything. I could sell PR. I could sell SEO. You know, it'd be kind of hard to sell PPC. Um, though I definitely do see some big jokers charging enormous um, fees to manage a very small budget, right? When they're charging ten, fifteen thousand dollars a month to manage a two or three thousand dollar a month budget, you know, I think those guys yeah. are clowns. Um, so, so it's easy to be uh, scammy. It's easy to. Um, uh, change a couple title tags and H1 tags and then submit to a couple directories and, you know, attempt to charge thousands of dollars a month for, you know, quote unquote SEO services. So it, it makes sense that companies are burnt from bad marketers. So now you have to come in, Armin, and you have to take responsibility for everything that's happened in the past and then work to resolve it in the future. It seems, it seems heavy. Do you find that, um, like, do you have any tricks for that? Uh, I wouldn't say so much a trick. But just knowing that uh, that that's what the person that you're sitting across the table with is thinking, mm-hmm. I think really puts you in a position where you can address that before they even verbalize it. Or maybe they don't even realize that they're kind of, you know, that baggage that they're carrying with them, they're projecting it on you. So if you can get ahead of it and, you know, like I said, the kind of showing them the roadmap that you're going to be using and what you're going to be doing, I think really helps put their, you know, their mind at ease. It definitely lowers their guard because a lot of times, you know, there's just, call it what it is. They're jaded. Uh, you know, they come, uh, they come from, okay, the, the, you know, uh, the previous guy screwed me, the guy before that screwed me. So how is this guy trying to screw me? It seems to be the attitude, even if they don't verbalize it, you know? So if you could just really show them that, Hey, I'm here to help. And this is how I'm going to help rather than give me X number of dollars per month, you know, throw it in this black box and I'll do some magic. Something will come out the other end, right. my word for it. Give me six months and then, you know, you'll, you'll see if it doesn't, you, you can cancel it. This guy's thinking, okay, X number of dollars times six. This guy's asking me to give him this much money and wait six months to see what happens. I don't think so. You know, so it's just getting ahead of it and kind of really uh, genuinely showing them that, hey, this is, I care. Uh, a, I care. And B, this is what I do. And C, this is how I'm going to do it. And this is how I'm going to hold myself accountable by showing you, uh, you know, the results on, you know, ongoing basis. So that really helps, I think, lower the guard. And it, 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 and like you said, there are some people that just aren't going to be happy. If you can't please them, the sooner you can figure that out and just, you know, part, part ways amicably, you know, the better off everybody is. Because my, my mantra is, I always tell everybody I work with, I don't want to be a headache for you and I will not allow you to be a headache for me. You know, the, 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 it, that's the bottom line. 
So I don't want to have to lose any sleep over, you know, a, a check per month, no matter how big that check is. You know, I, I, I like, I, I get only a few hours of sleep a night, but I like those few hours to be nice and comfortable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as a, as a parent, uh, absolutely. How many kids do you have? Uh, I have two kids. Two kids. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, 25 and 17. Okay. Great. Um, yeah. So I, I think that this, this, uh, this is like clarifying for me. So you went from the agency model and you love the strategy side. So you wanted to move more into strategy and, and sell your services for that. Um, you kind of talked about the blueprint and, and we kind of have a blueprint inside the CMOX accelerator. But what I think is unique too is like no one solution fits every business. You work for, you work with medical clinics and uh, healthcare service companies and those companies can be very different just in there. I mean, even in the medical clinics, it can be very different. Are you helping them um, with acquisition marketing, uh, new client acquisition? Um, that's very different than home services company. Although they can be kind of similar and you might have some um, overlap in campaigns. So it really requires you, Armin, to be, you know, sharp, intelligent. Um, I mean, you're surrounded by books and they're not small books. You know, you're surrounded by like what looks like thick books, you know? Yeah. Uh, so you're a reader. You, you, you learn, you care about this stuff. Um, do you find it fun to be able to kind of flex your brain and um, kind of wrap it around a company and kind of walk around what they're trying to do and see it from different angles in an attempt to help them grow? Uh, yes, I think personally, uh, and this is by no means, uh, you know, uh, I like the way you put it, flexing your brain, but I think it, you know, not necessarily ego, ego trip. But being able to talk to, uh, you know, the CEO or the medical director or whoever might be the decision maker and, and in real time, right in front of their eyes, being able to identify opportunities that they hadn't even noticed and also kind of give them tidbits as to how those opportunities could be exploited. I mean, that's a game changer. Their, their eyes light up and they say, oh my God, if, if, if this guy's showing us things that we hadn't even realized that how we could, uh, you know, exploit those and make, uh, you know, grow our revenue then it, this is a no-brainer. He could definitely help us with the things that we are asking him to help. Um, and, and, and like you said, there's definitely no cookie-cutter solution. Yeah, we have a blueprint, but that blueprint kind of, the very first thing is to figure out what it is they're trying to do, uh, you know, do an asset inventory where they are right now, and then how, how we can use the tools that we have at our disposal to get them to where they need to be. Uh, so it's it, we're not trying to change their model to fit uh, our solution. It's we're trying to, construct a solution, you know, to fit what it is in their best interest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that sounds great, man. Um, okay, so uh, I, I love what you said about uh, you can't please everybody. I mean, I think a big takeaway here is you can't please everybody. And you could also create an environment where you're winning, right? I mean, it's certainly easy to take any lead that comes at you and work your ass off to close it only to service them and realize that they're terrible and then keep them because you're so busy servicing the bad leads or the bad customers that you don't have the time and the capacity to kind of think how to get out. And you're just begging and waiting for the day that a great lead comes across your desk, but you're not being proactive to get it. And what I really like about what you're saying here is just like, you just, you just like have a, it seems like you, you say no uh, to uh, anyone who's a potential headache. Um, and that keeps you in a place of like, you know, clarity and efficacy. And it seems like fun too. Do you agree? Yes, it wasn't always this way. Uh, there's there's some experience that you know <laughs> kind of shifted course. I mean, there, there there have been times over the course of uh, you know the twenty some odd years I've been in business where you know the bills are due, 
you know, uh, kids need what they need. Uh, and you know, the first client that comes in that has any money, you're like, okay, yes, I'll do whatever it takes to get to sign this client up. But then you realize that $2,000, $3,000 a month that they're paying you is costing you, you know, three, four times that just it, the way you're doing to service them. And not to mention the opportunity cost, like you said, when, you know, all these other opportunities, uh, I don't have the opportunity to, or I don't have the chance to go after those opportunities and get those uh, clients that are actually gonna, you know, add to the bottom line. So it's one thing where, you know, the, the top line is getting filled with uh, money coming in from a client that's not a right fit, but that at the end of the day, it's actually costing you money to service those clients. So yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I've learned over the course of my uh, business career to yeah. turn people away who aren't the right fit. <laughs> I love it. I, I heard from someone once, uh, he calls it uh, replacement therapy, <laughs> right? You just replace the, the bad clients with the better clients and you just like slowly move your way up to this really wonderful place where you love everybody that you work with. You love the impact that you make. Um, with some of those opportunities, there's asymmetric upside and you can continue to make more and more with them. With other clients, you like them a lot. You like working with them and there's no room for growth and that's okay. Right. Those two things can exist. Uh, but what has to happen is Monday morning when you get on your computer and you start working or Monday afternoon, if you do it, or if you take Mondays off on Tuesday, whatever your lifestyle is. But when you start working for the week, um, if you're not starting work and kind of loving the people that you talk to, what do you what do you do it? Right. Life's too short to to work with a bunch of people you don't like and, and on a mission that you don't care for or selling a product or service that you don't believe in. Right. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So you're based um, just northeast of LA in Glendale, and you went from kind of you're like a serial entrepreneur, agency owner. You're adding fractional CMO services. You've got your fractional CMO services for medical clinics and uh, healthcare service companies. I'm just curious, why medical services? Why healthcare service companies? Why are you in the medical space or the health space? Uh, well. Just kind of it almost happened by accident. I you know, clients started reaching out to me, uh, chiropractic, laser hair removal, uh, eye surgeons, and it kind of just just so happened. And when I started working with them, I realized that you know, most of these doctors uh, genuinely care about improving people's lives. And you know, it, 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 if I'm helping improve somebody's life at business, who's then in turn helping improve somebody else's life in business, it's kind of that exponential growth of you know, just doing good things out there, putting it out there. Uh, so by all means, you know, we do focus on that. That's definitely not the only uh, segment uh, or niche that we serve, but that definitely uh, kind of stuck because you can see almost in real time, the benefit just trickling down uh, of that happiness. You know, being, you know, if somebody's getting a, a, an eye surgery that, you know, are now able to see, whereas before they had difficulty seeing, I mean, that's, that's literally life changer. You know, and if I can, if I could put this uh, doctor in a position where he can do that more often for more people, then why not? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, th this kind of goes back to the unfair opportunity that the fractional CMO has. You're finding these great people. I mean, you love people that help folks in health. I mean, they're like literally saving lives or reducing suffering. I mean, they're doing important work. Even something as small as getting your teeth cleaned is is like you know, monumental to your health. It's systemic health, yeah. right? Most disease, well, a lot of disease can start through the mouth. Um, so being a fractional CMO, it means that you get to help a dentist and then another dentist or uh, a DSO, a dental service organization or dental partnership organization, um, dental support organization. 
And then you can move on. You can work with medical uh, clinics, um, you know, weight loss clinics. I mean, there's a bunch of these places that like do great, important, life-changing work. And tell me what other role exists where you can have that kind of leverage. I mean, maybe the banker, right? Maybe the person who gives loans to these businesses, maybe, but like that can actually create change. That can actually change the math and take something great. We see these inventors who like come up with these great ideas and they end up in the landfill. They get a patent on it. They don't know what to do with it. Ends up in the landfill, though it could change lives. What they're missing is someone like you, Armin. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's just a, a spectacular place to be. All right, so if anyone wants to check you out and connect with you, um, uh, first of all, I think you have the most badass photos on your website. Uh, <laughs> where would they find you? What's your website? Uh, the fcmo.com. So that's short for fractional CMO. So T-H-E-F-C-M-O.com. Uh, they can reach out there or they can just type in my last name on any of the social media platforms and I'll pop up. Uh, I have uh, the luxury of having a fairly unique last name. Uh, so chances are they're going to get me if they type my last name into any of the social media platforms. Yeah. And that's Armin Marty Rosie. And the last name is spelled M-A-R-D-I-R-O-U-S-I. Armin Marty Rosie. Armin, it's been great having you on the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for, for being on and, and sharing your experience and, and talking about kind of like how you've moved from, um, just agency owner to now fractional CMO. A uh, big takeaway for me is just like this reminder of like the slog that it can be to do anything great, to get anywhere. Uh, when you think about climbing any mountain, uh, everyone thinks about the start and they think about the finish, but they don't think about the middle where it's a grind. And you bringing up the term resilience, I think is so strong um, with your experience in med uh, meditation and in yoga and in teaching yoga. I think you bring a really great kind of calm energy to that resilience. It also seems like you're really well boundaried you want to work with great companies and you're willing to not take a big paycheck from a not great company that could either be something that you don't align with or um, that pressure you to, you know, work outside of the hours that you want to work or interrupt you while you're sleeping or family time or whatever. So I love that. I mean, that's the lifestyle that you get to choose. Um, I'm just, I'm kind of walking away from this kind of being um, reminded of, of the power of saying no and of, uh, you know, just like the inevitable roadblocks that we're going to hit as marketers becoming fractional CMOs, um, resilience, I think is, is key. So thank you for that. Great. Thank you, Casey, for having me. It was a pleasure. Yeah, great. So if, if you've listened to this and you learned something, uh, if you laughed, um, tell someone about the podcast, please. Fractionalcmoshow.com. They can go there and they can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, on Pandora, wherever you get your podcast, you can get it. You can say, hey, A-L-E-X-A, play the Fractional CMO Show. And uh, she'll do exactly what you ask. Um, that's it. Thank you all for joining me for the Fractional CMO Show. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more information and episodes, visit our site at fractionalcmoshow.com. Go ahead and punch that like and subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot, at least to my mom.